giant voice. The official podcast of the United States Navy's largest overseas installation, Commander Fleet Activities, Yokosuka. All the information you need to succeed as a forward deployed sailor in Japan. Each week, we tackle one topic and speak to experts who can answer some of your most frequently asked questions. This is the Giant Voice Podcast. Okay, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Giant Voice Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Dave Flewellen. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about typhoon readiness. Uh, we're getting into the uh, typhoon season here in Japan. So yeah, we're here today uh, with uh, Mike Main. He's the Emergency Management Officer for Commander Fleet Activities Yokosuka, and our old friend who's been on the podcast a few times, Mr. Randall Balcom, who is the Public Affairs Officer for Commander Fleet Activities Yokosuka. And uh, as I said, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, typhoon readiness and what the base does, what you can do. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. Mike, thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Good, good. So first of all, like for maybe for people who are new to Japan or don't know, uh, like what is a typhoon and how is it different from other types of storms? Sure. So typhoons are essentially hurricanes on kind of the eastern side of the world. Um, so if you think about it in that sense, you know, hurricanes, typhoons, they're almost interchangeable in, in what they are in the storms. It's, you know, winds, water, uh, precipitation. Same idea um, coming into Japan. It's, it's just, uh, they just call it something different. So typhoons, okay. hurricanes, intermixed. So a good way to think about it for Americans is it's a hurricane more or less sure um so in japan like it, people talk about it obviously it's i mean culturally part of japan and typhoons and and um and this stuff uh people hear about it what what is it about japan and where we are that m makes you know a proclivity for typhoons to hit here sure so uh, half of it has to do with kind of the temperature of the water, right? So the temperature of the water as you're coming up through through the Pacific Ocean, up through the Guam area, up through kind of the Okinawa area, you got a little bit warmer water. So as you get that warmer water, it tends to, to have more proclivity to develop those, those typhoons, you know, larger type of storms. Uh, as it collects that energy and, and builds up the heat of the water. Oh, I see. Um, so it, it puts us in a kind of a unique situation here in Japan where we're getting a lot of that, that typhoon coming up through those areas, um, hitting some of the, the cooler water up here and, and kind of forming these, these real big storms. So as far as like our area here, uh, Kanto region, uh, about how many typhoons-ish do we get hit with in a season? Or does, is that too drastic? Like, does that vary too drastically to even say? Uh, I mean, it, it varies, definitely. Um, to, to give you a good number, it, it's hard to say. Like, um, you know, I would say anywhere between 10 to 15 storms, not all of them tend to get named. It usually, as they get larger in size and intensity is when they start adding names to them. Right. Um, so not all of them are named storms. Not all of them are going to be, you know, Cat 4 typhoons, huge storms, super typhoons. Um, but I think typically in, in the range of hurricane season, it depends on the weather. It depends on what's happening. Uh, but we usually plan for, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15 
storms that we'll see at some point that that have the potential to be impactful or dangerous maybe 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 so i, I probably three or four that we would probably keep a closer eye on some of them tend to kind of hang out towards that okinawa area hang out kind of towards the the guam and philippines area you right. know philippines is one of the the most uh impacted areas for yeah i mean i re- you read about ever. it in the news sometimes they they when they get hit it can be really bad yeah and they they take a look the majority of typhoons that hit landfall are, are coming through that philippine area i mean they're one of the the areas that just get hit the most yeah so um but seeing some of those storms kind of take that track up towards here up towards japan um could be a couple could be you know less than six could be two uh, it really just season. depends on the season and and kind of what happens. So well, we really haven't had a tremendous typhoon here since 2019. And then we had back-to-back Category 5 super typhoons blow straight over the installation. And uh, that's uh, that was a wake-up call for a lot of people concerning preparation for mm-hmm. typhoons. And it's it's constantly uh, something we look at look back upon and how we can uh, be better prepared. With every every year, we get new personnel into the base and new leadership at uh, all the commands, all the tenant commands. So it's a re-education process about how bad typhoons can be because it's been since 2019 uh, since we've had a, a major storm hit Yokosuka directly. What were some of the uh, uh some of the damage and other things that happened to the base during those storms? Well, we had wind gusts up to 135 miles an hour on the installation. Wow. And we had trash cans from <laughs> base housing <laughs> blowing around. Um, we always say secure your out, outdoor items uh, in preparation for the storm. Uh, people did not do that. There was a trampoline incident of oh, a trampoline right. rolling down the street. Uh, like I said, a lot of a lot of uh, the trash cans were making their way from the re- townhouse area down to Gridley Avenue. Uh, but the major damage was trees. Um, we lost trees by the uh, galley. We lost uh, four trees at Womble Gate, and it shut down the gate for almost a full day for us to clear them enough so traffic could move through there um and that's that impacted later on decisions to remove trees along our perimeter fence line that had grown excessively tall and we received a little bit of criticism from the community for doing so but uh coming out of uh, hurricane hagabus we we had to take a look at these older trees we took down some old, very old trees that were next to on command hill next to c1 oh yeah yeah i mean these are 150 year old trees and we're cutting them down and there were a lot of complaints but uh the safety of the area was critical yeah. um that so we had to make some tough decisions as far as cutting back some of this old growth that's around the installation. At the same but, storm at Yakota, they lost a, a really old Sakura tree by AFN, and uh, they ended up cutting the whole thing down afterwards. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but uh, that's in the way of the way of nature. You yep, just got yep. to uh, respond accordingly. Uh, other things that occurred: uh, rainfall was significant during these storms. Mm-hmm. We had. Uh, some partial landslides uh, on some of these hills, even though they have concrete protection on, for erosion control, 
uh, you still have soil on top of the hills that was uh, some of it had rolled off in a few areas. So something to be aware of if you live in residence closer to the hills. Just pay attention to and report as soon as you see an issue so we can either get your family relocated, which we have done a couple of times since we I've been here, uh, and get the area properly inspected after the storm. So uh, we know that it's safe for people to occupy the buildings uh, under b- beside the hills. So while we're while we're on the topic of the damage last time, um, maybe again for for people who are sort of new to Japan or new to the base, uh, can we maybe go over the T core levels and kind of the meaning and and uh, uh, like what each one kind of signifies. Sure, absolutely. So TCOR stands for Tropical Cyclone Condition of Readiness. Uh, and essentially what it is is uh, a way that we can start to uh, measure the, the distance and time that it's going to take for those, those hurricane and typhoon force winds to start hitting the installation. I see. So it's the onset of destructive wind. Um, and it starts at TCOR 5, which is what we're currently in. We usually set it June 1st through October 31st is our typhoon season here in Japan. Um, and essentially what that says is the onset of destructive winds are 96 hours out. Um, so about four days. Um, and uh, we said that June 1st just as a, a condition of readiness, as a preparedness measure. Um, and what that allows us to do is work with all of our tenant commands, work with uh, the departments on base, all of our CFA commands, um, to go through their, their typhoon readiness checklists and just make sure that you know things are tied down, stuff's put away, um, that they are ready in case something does start to form that uh, could could potentially be 96 hours out. Um, I think one of the kind of one of the nice things about typhoons and hurricanes, if there is one, is that we typically know when they're coming. It's right. it's a, it's a storm event that we we've got really good prediction on. We've got really good weather services tracking. Um, tracking uh, is usually pretty good. Um, you know, the, the exact path of the storm and intensity and all this stuff is going to change as it moves. But um, we have gotten really good at starting to see when they form, where they're kind of moving, what direction they're going. Um, and so it kind of gives us a lot more of a heads up than some other disasters or, or hazards where there, yeah, we call them no notice. There's no, yeah. Yeah, no notice happening. events, yeah, right? So yeah. it just happens and you just have to react to it. Whereas, you know, typhoons, hurricanes we have lead time usually to start preparing. And so that's where the T-Core levels come in. So, so the T-Core is basically just saying, hey, here's how long until the possibility of this event happening happens. Yes, essentially. Right. Yep. So then we go from, from five to four to three uh, to T-Core two are all 24-hour periods. So it goes 96, 72, 48, 24. Got it. Um, from two to one, we start to switch to 12 hour. And that just means we're getting really close to this storm starting to uh, begin to impact us. Um, so now we're kind of in the, the last stages of make sure we're ready, make sure people are starting to shelter in their homes, you know, getting all this, the last minute things you need done, done. Because then once we get to T core one, um, that's going to be pretty much a tier and we're ready to go. So um, moving through that, T core one, T core one emergency is. The hurricane is here. The typhoon is here, um, and then moving into T1 recovery, which is it's passed, and now we're doing damage assessment, and we're making sure that everything on base is is okay. Um, you know, we're doing power lines, homes, uh, just a, a general damage assessment of the base, 
Uh, once that comes back and we're we're saying base is good to go, we'll go to T core one or sorry T core all clear, which just means you're free to leave your home, start doing your own kind of clean of your area. Got it. So the 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 um, the cleanup effort. I think people need to understand how dangerous it can still be even after the storm passes. Uh, a number of years ago, an acquaintance of mine, it wasn't a, a close friend, but someone that was in the friend group I hung around with in Tokyo, uh, actually was electrocuted to death by a downed power line after a typhoon. Um, mm-hmm. Like almost 40 hours after, yeah. was walking down the street <clears throat> and it was in the newspaper and, and everything. And, wow. and you know, I, I'm not bringing that up to be macabre, but it's... Uh, yeah, that I think some people think, okay, storm's passed. I need to get out of my house now, but there's still serious dangers afterwards. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's certainly when we say all clear, what, what we're essentially telling you is we've done our damage assessment. We have not identified any major impacts to the base or, or we have, and we're starting to take care of them. Right. right. So either way, we've done our, our quick assessment of the base. This is what we're saying looks good. This is what we're saying doesn't look good. You know, areas to avoid, areas that are okay to go to, um, and then working through that all clear and saying, you're free to leave your home, follow the information that we're putting out, please work with us as we, you know, clean up the base and, and identify some of those hazards that could potentially be, be life-threatening and say... Yeah, and that can be quite a challenge. As we found out during uh, Typhoon Hagabus, um, we sat in Typhoon uh, Recovery, t uh, recovery for about a half a day and it was a work in the middle of the work week there's a lot of frustration with some of the tenant commands wow people ships trying to get on the way ships trying to get their crews back because when we hit t-core one basically all the tenant commands release all their personnel and so they put down whatever they were working on and they leave um uh, once they set T Core One, uh, all their conditions, meaning all their all their stuff's been uh, properly stowed, and so they left for the day, and we're hoping that, you know, hey, the storm will blow through, and you know, the Japanese are very good at recovering from typhoons. Yes, <laughs> in fact, they will wait till the very edge of the danger zone before they even stop doing what they're doing their normal work day yes and a lot of our off post residents see this and automatically assume the base is ready to begin operations again so when we hit that t-core recovery you still need to stay put in your homes uh yes it's inconvenient but we can't afford to have people out driving around, um, you know, getting back to Typhoon Hagabus, the seawall next to uh, Sullivan's Elementary School. They were doing some repair work there, and they had some construction vehicles that were tossed uh, by the wave wow. action coming over the seawall. So we had a, a front-end loader that was uh, pushed over. Wow. We had uh, We had a... a little portable office that they put at the construction site had blown out into the street um it, there was a lot of things that had to be uh, recovered from before we could allow people to safely enter into the base and that waiting period 
can get frustrating because the Japanese have already started running trains again. They're getting right after time. it, <laughs> after the storm. And they're like, why is the base not opening? Now, we never keep people from um, coming in or leaving the base during the typhoon. That's a misnomer. There's, there's Some people think, well, what, t- what time are you going to secure the gates when you go to T-Core 1? We never do. The front gate remains open because there are people who are coming in from flights from overseas. Or I don't know. Yokota Yakota did. Yokota has. Yokota closed the gate. The tendency here at Yokosuka is not to lock down the gates. Copy that. But if you're just a sailor and not on the emergency essential list trying to get to your ship, you're probably going to get held up a little bit at the at the gate. I think the important thing to remember and and – it's something, you know, you talk about on the ships, too, when you're in a Liberty port. Like, why do we got to get treated like kids? Like, hey, you're in the military, and yes, you're a human being with rights, but you're you're also an asset to the government, and the government doesn't want anything to happen to you because they need, they need you to fulfill your position. And so maybe we're a little bit more cautious because of, because of that than, say you know out in in town for a regular japanese person well if they walk off a, a landslide that's on them you know <laughs> and that's happened yeah. uh landslides within the zushi area i know that there was a landslide and unfortunately during that same typhoon uh where a young girl lost her life wow uh, landslide came down and it was well after the storm was over but like i was saying uh, you know, these, these hilltops, even though they're protected from erosion control, still can have issues. Uh, Typhoon Hagabus, the hilltop nearby the uh, Yoko Yoko entryway uh, slipped, and uh, the Yoko Yoko exit was closed for uh, about a month wow. as they try to recover that area so traffic could flow through there again so yeah and i think you know when you think about about typhoons and hurricanes i think most people tend to think of the wind right so it's it's these big wind storms and they have these huge you know 150 mile an hour gusts like randy was saying earlier uh, which is true right so it's it's a wind storm but but the bigger threat to typhoons and hurricanes is typically the water Right. Right. So it's the storm surge that comes with them and it's the precipitation that comes and that's leading into landslides. It's the ground gets so saturated by all of the water that's dropping from the hurricane that's coming in off these or the typhoon off of these storms um, that eventually leads to the ground just can't take anymore. And that's when you start to see some of these landslides. Um, you know, in a lot of these storms, it's it's really the, the water issues that cause the majority of casualties in a storm. It's not typically related as much to the wind. I'm not saying the wind is not a factor. It certainly is. Um, but the majority, when you look at some of the statistics of past storms, it, a lot of the casualties are coming from storm surge, from heavy flooding, rainfall. from heavy rainfall. Um, so for, for for those listeners who maybe grew up in the middle of the country, right? America's a big country. We tend mm-hmm. to forget this sometimes. Maybe explain what storm surge is for people who aren't used to living by the ocean. Sure. So, so storm surge uh, is typically the water that's pushed along with the hurricane. So, as you, you imagine the hurricane or the typhoon coming through the water. You know, it's it's 150 mile an hour winds that are pushing all of these these kind of waves up in front of them, if you want to call it that. But it's essentially a, a block of water um, that when that when that 
hurricane or typhoon hits land, you know, that water starts pushing up onto the land, and that's what we call storm surge. Essentially, it's, you know, it could be a couple feet, it could be dozens of feet, um, it could be very small. It depends, and it's not, all, it's not always associated with the size of the storm either. So a Cat 4 hurricane doesn't necessarily mean that the storm surge is going to be super huge. I see. A Cat 1 hurricane could have a greater storm surge. It, uh, it, so it just it depends on um, a lot of factors. A lot of factors. So, uh, but typically, again, it's something that we can we can kind of predict ahead of time. We can kind of get we have storm surge maps that we can show and and show some low lying areas and probably areas to avoid no matter what, whether it's a, a cat one or a cat four, or two or three or whatever it is. Um, but that's essentially so when you get that storm surge on top of the rainfall that's coming in, on top of the landslides that are happening, Flooding on top of the wind, the bro- right, there's just a lot of hazards that are happening at this one event. Got it. So on on that, um, what is the base like? What does CFA do to keep us prepared for these types of storms? Like what 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 on the basis side? What kind of preparations are there? Drills are there? What kind of things go on to keep everybody prepared? Yep. So every year we run a typhoon readiness exercise, and it's really for us to test our notification systems. So being able to push information out to the public, being able to push information to our tenant commands, um, and also receiving information back from them. So as we push it out and say, hey, we just entered T-Core 5, we're going to 4 in an hour. Um, And these exercises are typically compressed. So we go through T-Core 5 through T-Core 2. Um, in a matter of about three hours, which is, is pretty unrealistic. Um, but when you think about an exercise sense, as we're trying to get it done in a day. So um, and essentially what that does, it allows our tenant commands, allows us at CFA to go through our preparedness checklists, make sure that we're following um, you know, our, our shelter in place uh, uh, procedures and uh, making sure that we're following all of our checklists, making sure that things are tied down, making sure the ship, the, the ship assets are you know, prepared to either sortie out and get out of the way of the storm right. and or uh, if they are unable to move, secure, is secure where they are. So yeah. um, so testing that with, with our tenant commands, uh, with our residents, pushing out our messages through CDNS, our notification system. Um, so hopefully as we were doing it this past year, people were getting it on their, you know, their mobile devices and their emails that we were going through these T-Core levels. Um, and then we always just push preparedness messaging. So working with Randy and his PAO team, um, with other uh, groups on base like the Red Cross, uh, NOAC, uh, NOAC, excuse me, the the weather service here. Yep. Um, it's just pushing out some preparedness messaging and just saying, you know, our, our big three are always make a plan, right? Build the kit and stay informed, right? So make a plan with your family. If you know something's going to happen, is you know where you're all going to meet up? What does the communication plan look like? You know, if you guys get separated, what's your plan there? And just having some of those things ahead of time is, is certainly helps in the preparedness level. Um, you know, building the kit just means, you know, whatever you need for your family, we usually suggest food, water, medicine, money, you know, anything that you can kind of think of that, that for your particular family would be helpful, uh, usually planning for about three days worth of, um, kind of being on your own, right? That's our, that's our base level guidance is typically three days. Um, and then, you know, staying informed is, is, uh, you know, just listen to the messaging. Um, just to, to allow people to just know what's happening and what the base is doing in response to whatever the hazard is that's coming in. Right. Yeah. Uh, we use a number of ways as for public affairs here at Safe CFA to get this emergency messaging to you. And some things to think about. Uh, in a in a in a T Core uh, situation, uh, when we go to T Core one, 
AFN Radio mans their studio 24 hours, 24 hours a day. I used to be on that watch. And <laughs> that's very helpful for me because yeah. if I can get a call into them, an email, a text message, they'll rebroadcast on their AM channel. Uh, any information I provide them as far as what the base is doing. So a lot of people ask me, it's like, well, I'm not on social media. So, okay. Well, first of all, you don't have to have a Facebook account to look at our Facebook page. Some people seem to think that that's true. It's not true. Um, The other thing is we will be updating uh, uh, Command Channel 45.1. We will be putting emergency messaging on that channel. So if you're on base, you tune in to channel 45.1, and you can uh, read all of our T-Core messaging. We will attempt to uh, update the marquee as available, but usually that jump from T-Core 1 to T-Core 1 Echo, or T-Core 1 Emergency, excuse me, um, sometimes it's hard to get to our updater. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And uh, depending on what happens, we may or may not uh, update the marquee as you're coming in and out the gate. But uh, We don't want to be out there anymore. We don't want (laughs) to. And and especially for those who don't know, the public affairs office is down by the waterfront. It's not the best place to be in surge. It can get a little hairy. Um, I remember during Hagabus, we were making the debate, do we try to update the marquee? And I looked outside and saw the the trees leaning sideways in the wind, and I was like, no, I think we're just going to stay. We'll be all right. (laughs) I don't know if anybody's looking at that marquee right now anyway. All right. So, um, you know, we mentioned three days of supply, and you you need to think about three days of water, not just for you, but your entire family and your pets. Mm-hmm. And we uh, re- really, it's a gallon a day per person. And that's, that can, if you have a large family, that could be a lot of water you need to have on hand. The other recommendation I make, especially if you live on base or live off base and have a bathtub, fill it up. Yep. Yep. And that's not for drinking. That's for making sure you can flush your toilet. Um, it also can come in handy if you need to drink it. You can boil it. But one of the things that we lose uh, occasionally in storms like this is electricity. And all of our major appliances on the base and a lot of them off base are all running on electrical power. So you're without power. Here's some things you don't do. Don't bring in your propane grill into your home and cook food or boil water. You will die. (laughs) You will have carbon monoxide poisoning and it will be bad. (laughs) Keep your grill outside. If you need to cook something or boil something, please do it outdoors. Do not bring your propane uh, grill into your home. Minor medical supplies is always recommended. Have a first aid kit. Uh, you never know. Maybe something sh- odd happens. Your window breaks and glass cuts somebody. Um, you're going to have to, especially during the heat of the storm, emergency responders will try to respond, but... If there are 150-mile-an-hour winds outside, uh, it could be a while before they get to you. So you got to plan through a little bit of this stuff. So, you know, be prepared. Um, and for the for the preparedness kits, there's some great resources out there. So yep. FEMA's got some really great uh, – their ready.gov is a really awesome preparedness website. Okay. Um, they have – you can go in there and find a preparedness checklist that's got all kinds of stuff to think about. Um, and, again, it, it, I mentioned it before, but tailoring it to your family is really the key. All right, so my, my family may need something way different than your family. 
which may be way different than Randy's family, right? So you got to look at, at kind of what yeah, what the family needs are. Absolutely, yeah, right. Yep. So any any of those special issues, any any special things with your family, family size, like Randy was talking about, you know, those are all factors that are going to play into kind of what you need and what you should be thinking about. Um, you know, we mentioned money. I think I mentioned it before, but cash have some. Cash. You know, ATMs are not going to be running if we start to lose some power. Um, so it's just something to think about. Just to have you know a couple hundred dollars on hand. You know, if you need to go out and buy stuff eventually, even post storm when things are still kind of getting back into. It's good. It's power good for mode. earthquakes as well. I know, like my my wife always says, her she's Japanese, as is Randy's wife, and fifty thousand yen. Mm-hmm. in your wallet at all times mm-hmm. that yep. you don't touch for an earthquake if you need to get if you just need something when an earthquake happens and the power goes out so the same goes for typhoons absolutely right? yeah any i mean any emergency preparedness kit for whatever disaster i mean we should be kind of all hazards so you, it's not really going to change hazard to hazard it's, right. it's really just preparing yourself for three days of you may be on your own so you know food water medicine cash things i mentioned before um, and again, you can go to the, the ready.gov website. Um, there's a Navy Ready website that's also really good. Um, but all, each of those have, you can go into detail on each kind of storm, each kind of hazard there is, um, learn a little bit more about those. And then there's also, uh, you know, the preparedness checklist that are on there that you can kind of go through and say, you know, do I have this? Do I need this? Um, and it's probably got 30, 40, 50 different items on it if you really wanted to go that deep into it. I'd like to bring up a little bit too, for people who do live off base, um, for typhoons and for earthquakes as well, but um, you you should know where your local evacuation site is, um, which you can find out fairly easily. Every neighborhood has a designated evacuation site, so if you got the alert on your phone that there's flooding in your area during a typhoon, you know where you can go that's a safe place that's above you know the 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 flood zone or whatever so if you live off base it's something you should definitely check into of where your uh your local evacuation site is sure and i think that's something we'd also just be trying to push some information out on so as we're working with our liaisons here on base working with the japanese government off base is we're trying to collect some of that information of you know where could some of our off base residents potentially go if they needed to um putting that list together and then hopefully pushing it somewhere where it can be accessed by, you know, off-base residents or, oh, or folks who can then say, all right, my, my closest shelter, my closest evacuation site it's is here. here, should we need to, do, to use it. Awesome. That's great. I know also in the past where there were known areas with, with probable dangers during a typhoon, we have made accommodations on the installation to support those off-base community members so they could come onto base uh-huh. Spend the evening through in, in in one of our gyms or other facilities just until the storm ends, uh, so they know that they'll be safe throughout. Because the storms can be a little scary if you yeah. have not experienced them before. Your windows will rattle excessively at <laughs> times, especially if you're on the eighth floor of and one you have of our houses. Single pane glass, like most of us have here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it can be quite a quite a quite of a exciting experience uh so hopping back to things you don't do yeah don't go to the beach i know oh, people yeah. are like yeah. oh hurricane party at the beach it's like no 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 you will get chased off by the japanese police i will tell you this but um 
it's not the time just because you got let off the work because it was T-Core 1 doesn't mean you grab your board and go find some waves. Yeah, the, uh, the, the <laughs> storm surge comes with a rip current. People yeah. forget that, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah it's, it's suck you right out to sea. It's yeah, very those, dangerous. Those videos of the people out on the, the beach watching the tsunamis yes. pull the water out and yeah. videoing it on their phone, you're just thinking, like, <laughs> you should be, <laughs> be looking the other no way, way right yeah. now, you know? So, certainly, yeah, there's yeah. that, too. And uh, occasionally we'll have a few uh, – inspired people who have been indoors for a few hours because these sometimes these storms do not pass quickly yeah. they are very large to begin with and when you catch both the front end and the back end of the typhoon it can take six eight hours for the typhoon yeah, and they do to tend to slow down over land too so as it makes landfall it's gonna it's gonna lose a little bit of speed and probably hang out for a little bit longer than most of us would like right and uh I know during Hurricane Hurricane Hagabus, we did have one or two uh, YouTubers out there catching videos of themselves out in the uh, big winds. Flying debris is a thing, and uh, if you get hit with a even a small branch going in a 150 mile an hour wind, you're going to be injured. It's going to hurt. So, uh, hey, again. listen, your life is not worth some internet clout. <laughs> don't don't do it. Don't be making your TikToks at the nope, beach in nope. a in a category five typhoon. That's right. Um, well, yeah, no, that that's good information. I, I'd like to say too, if you go on Japanese Amazon, um, you can get lots of really easily done um, food, like emergency mm-hmm. ration type stuff that you just add water to and. Um, and it all comes compressed, like it's very neat and organized. And uh, um, you can also get like ba- big battery blocks that you leave charged. And, you know, this is a country that's used to disasters. They know what they're doing. So if you want to be prepared, going out to home store down there, you can find all sorts of emergency flashlights and all sorts of emergency mm-hmm. preparedness stuff. Is easy. Or even in our commissary and our NEX. Commissary does sell MREs. Oh. Meals ready to eat, military style. Usually shelf stable but, for about ten years. So. Yeah, and you <laughs> don't have to worry about flushing the toilet after. <laughs> and you have a, you have enough car- uh, calories and one MRE to survive for a day. I promise you. Uh, you might be <laughs> yeah, a little. Done it. <laughs> I've done it. I had to do it yeah. more than I, I wanted know, to in my career. But uh, um, one MRE will supply you with enough calories to get through a day. Um, you will be hungry, but uh, if you're worried about having a million cans expiring on you while you're during your duty here, just buy three arm MREs. You got food for three days for you and three gallons of water. And you can rotate that water pretty easily. They also um, sell in Japan too water that is is like uh, good for two years or something like yeah. that. That's in special plastic bottles and and uh, yeah, we have it. We have it at my house, and you can you can get that at uh, at like any home store type place. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's an option too. Yeah, having those supplies. I know a lot of people think that uh, suddenly all these things will just fall out of the sky. Should should there be an issue here at at Commander Fleet Activities Yokosuka, but the truth is that three-day uh, emergency kit, we are depending on you to have that ready to go. Uh, it's just an unfortunate circumstance, but uh, it will be a while before we can get assistance from other services primarily to provide for the community with food and water. Uh, it'll take at least three days, so you need to be ready. 
So that that I was going to ask, um, you know, what can people do to prepare? I think we already touched on um, a lot of it now about you know having a kit ready, and like you just said, Randy, it may take some time if something was really bad for us to be able to get services here. So it is incumbent upon everybody to kind of have that kit ready. What else can people do um, in their day to day to to kind of prepare or be ready or what is their end when the storm actually hits once we get to t-core one recovery uh the base will do its checks but when we get to all clear and you exit your uh, base housing residence uh and you start looking around inspecting uh, your own personal property any damage to any of uh your your housing uh if you find damage, you, you need to report it. And it's as simple as uh, dialing 115 on your DSN line, or it's 243 5555. All right. And <laughs> report what's wrong. Um, it, those are the standard maintenance numbers for all our housing. But that's also what we'll be collecting our reports at the Emergency Operations Center to determine. Uh, whether we need to maybe go back into recovery mode uh, if something is discovered that somehow we missed on our our, our inspections but uh, or make other arrangements to evacuate uh, uh, residents uh, to other areas that are that are safer than their current condition so during all clear if you when you exit your residence and you're looking around for your personal property and uh, you find uh, a maintenance issue uh, with your residence, you can dial 115 like you do for all maintenance issues or 243-5555. Yeah, and I think that that also helps us at the EOC, at the Emergency Operations Center, to, to help prioritize uh, restoration services, right? So we, we work with PWD, our Public Works Office, uh, we start getting these reports from residents of you know potentially areas of base that are more heavily damaged than others, um, and it really helps us to focus resources at the EOC to start addressing some of those larger issues. Um, so, you know, life safety is always a priority. So, life safety first, and then you know, property damage is starting to restore some of those issues, um, and then taking care of some of the the more minor. I don't want to call anything minor. Right, Everyone's right, right. got their issues, um, but some of the the non life threatening. Uh, you know, type of events or type of damage that are happening, so we can then start prioritizing those in terms of, you know, we, we have a limited number of resources here. So we're not gonna hit everything at the same time. So it's gonna, right. we're gonna have to prioritize those big issues and then move into some of the, the more minor issues across base. Um, so hearing that damage being reported, getting those reports from public works. You guys are gonna prioritize, helps us triage. to Absolutely, helps us just to, to kind of start triaging, yeah, essentially, and, and responding to some of those those issues out in, in town, so. Right. Can't get something fixed if you don't know about it, right? Correct. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I think that pretty much uh, wraps it up. Um, if you guys have any questions about TCOR uh, stuff, typhoon readiness, anything like that, uh, where to get the information on how to put together a kit or you know anything else you want to follow up on, uh, you can always uh, go to the CFA Facebook page. Um, you can hit us up at yukoskareport at gmail.com. Uh, we're always there to answer your questions. So, uh, Mike Main, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And, Randy, thank you for being here as well. Um, thank you very much, gentlemen. 
The Giant Voice Podcast is a production of Commander Fleet Activities Yokosuka Public Affairs Office. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the policy of the Department of the Navy or Department of Defense. Thanks for listening.